Staying true to America's national destiny, the voice of the awakening. Your host, Bishop E. W. Jackson. John chapter 14, verses 12 through 14, for your hearing. Um, we've spent 10 sermons, 10, dealing with discipleship, becoming disciples, 10. I want to move to a new phase of this. This is what the Lord has laid on my heart. I want to talk um, about what that means, what that means in terms of our walk with the Lord, to, to be aware of the fact that we are disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, you know, Christian, and here again, I'm not debunking the word, but you know, Christian has come to mean a whole bunch of things to a whole bunch of people. Uh, and frankly, in some ways, it's a meaningless word because there are people who say they're Christians and they're not by any stretch of the imagination. They're just not. I mean, Jehovah's Witnesses, I've talked to some of them over the weekend, and, and these people are completely and totally lost. You can't tell them they're not Christians. Uh, Mormons is the same way. Uh, and there are a number of other, what I call pseudo-Christian cults. They call themselves Christians, but they are not. Uh, remember the Branch Davidians, uh, this guy who led these people in this crazy confrontation with the FBI, and I think the government was wrong in that instance, by the way, but, but David Koresh, who led that group, he was crazy, and they, were, they called themselves Christians. Christians. They, were, they were Branch Davidian Christians, which is doubly crazy. Um, and, and you could just go right down the line. I mean, Jim Jones, who led people to Guyana, that, that was supposed to be a Christian church. So, so the word really can mean so many things to so many people that when somebody tells you they're a Christian, you know what, you really got to find out what they mean. Because just because they say that does not mean that they're a born again believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. And don't assume that they're your brother or your sister in Christ just because they use the word. I, I think I may have told, I know I told some of you this story, but some of you may not have heard it. But when I was running a radio station, I had a guy working for me who was the um, head of my sales department. And I don't care what it was, I just couldn't get along with this guy. I mean, he rubbed me the wrong way. I guess I rubbed him the wrong way. It, there was just a problem between us. And I'm, I'm trying constantly to figure out what is the problem and how can I work with this guy? Because I thought he was a pretty good salesperson and it, you know, it, could, it, it could help my, my little company. Um, and then I found out that when he was using the word Christ and Christian and this and that, I found out that he was a member of a cult called the Unity School of Christianity. Well, they're not Christians at all because they don't believe that Jesus Christ came in the flesh to die on the cross for our sins and then rose again bodily in a resurrection body and ascended back to heaven. They don't believe. They believe in this idea, kind of like what Oprah believes. There's a Christ principle and all of us have to find it in ourselves. And it has nothing to do with biblical salvation. And you know what? When I figured out what was wrong, I fired it. I got rid of it. Because then I knew we were never going to get along. Because we were of two different spirits. Even though he kept calling himself a Christian. We are disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are following him. Amen? Amen. And we are Christians because of that. So when people say, well, I'm a Christian, are you really a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you really his disciple? I mean, is your life governed by him? Is he your leader? Is he your Lord? Because that's, that's the most important thing. Amen? Amen. 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 Not, not any other identifier which may mean, 
You know, people may use the word, but it doesn't mean anything when you start unpacking what they're talking about. So we want to be, we said, not casual Christians, but what? Dynamic disciples. Amen. Dynamic disciples. Now go to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. And this is another uh, passage that the Lord laid on my heart. So it sort of helps us get a picture of what our lives are supposed to look like. And, and by the way, it expresses my prayer for you, my prayer for all of us, but particularly for you, for this congregation, for our congregations here and in Boston. Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through 12. Are you there? Yeah. Read this with me. It says, for this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. So there, there you go. A disciple should be filled with all wisdom and spiritual understanding in the knowledge of God's will. Amen? Amen. Read on. It says that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God so that you're walking in a way that pleases him. Everything you do is producing fruit and you're continually growing. You're continually increasing in the knowledge of God. This is a disciple. Amen. Not a mere churchgoer, but a disciple. And then go on, it says, strengthen with all might, according to his glorious power, for all patience and long suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Now that's a picture of discipleship. You couldn't apply that to a churchgoer, because none of that would apply. A person who just sort of attends a worship service and then goes on about their business, feeling like they've done their obligatory religious duty. Amen? amen? Come on, say amen again. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Now, I want to talk to you then in a new series. This won't be as long as the discipleship series, but the title is Walking in Power. Walking in Power. Notice what this says. Strengthen with all might according to his glorious power. Strengthen with all might according to his glorious power. You know, the psalm calls us the congregation of the mighty. I tell you what, the world doesn't see Christians as being very mighty. But we're supposed to be. Amen? That's what God describes us as. Okay. Four characteristics I want you to think about in terms of walking in power. Walking in power. And then we're going to unpack this more over the next several weeks. Here's characteristic number one. Characteristic number one. It's very simple. That you identify with Jesus Christ that you identify with Jesus Christ, that that is your first and foremost and highest identity. It is not being black or white. It is not being a husband or a wife. It's not being a father or a mother. All those things have their place. But your first and foremost identity is that you are a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, that he is your Lord, that he is your savior. You identify with him. Amen? Amen. Amen. Go to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. And we're just going to read one verse there, verse 13. We identify with Jesus. Say that with me. We identify with Jesus. Say, I identify with Jesus. I identify with Jesus. Amen. Amen. Acts chapter 4, verse 13. When you're there, say amen. amen. All right. Now read this with me. It says, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled. Now stop right there. They were impressed by these men. 
but they didn't know why. Because they knew they didn't have any education. <laughs> they knew that they weren't trained by anybody that they respected. And they said, well, what, why are these guys having such an impact? What's, what's so special about them? And the last sentence tells you, read it with me. It says, and they realized that they had been with Jesus. So they said, oh, wait a minute. So it's not that they came from Harvard, Yale, or Princeton. It's not that they knew some great teacher or businessman. It's not that they read the art of the deal. It's that they've been with Jesus. Oh, because you know, this reminds us of him. They're doing the same kinds of things he did. Now look, they still got it wrong because it wasn't that they had been with Jesus. It was that they are with Jesus. See, it's not a past tense thing. They were thinking, oh yeah, when Jesus was alive, they hang, hung out with him. No, no, no. Jesus is still alive and they're still hanging out with him. Amen. They're just not hanging out with him in the flesh. Amen. This is your identity. This ought to be the thing that most impresses people about you. Yeah. Not your, your pedigree, not your race, not who your family is, not where you went to school, not, but, but this person is with Jesus. This person knows the Lord. Amen? Amen. And look, it says they marveled. They marveled. In other words, they thought, well, all that other stuff obviously doesn't matter as much as we thought it did. Because this is the way these Pharisees thought. They thought, well, wait a minute. Have you studied under Gamaliel? Have you been to the finest schools? What family do you come from? Who, what's your pedigree? What's your background? And they started realizing, oh, my goodness. We got people making an impact who don't have any of the stuff that we thought was important. But they've been with Jesus. That's our identity, saints. Don't see, this is where so many Christians go so wrong. Churches all over this country, particularly many black churches, but it happens in some white ones too, where people's primary identity is their race. Christians, they, or at least they say they know Jesus and follow him. Christians, you find me that in scripture where your primary identity is supposed to be you're black or you're white. It's not there. No, our primary identity is that we are, not have been, but we are with Jesus. Now, you know, here's something important to note. And I've observed this over the years of my Christian life. Cults always promote the first identity, pseudo-Christian cults, the first identity is with the cult, not with Jesus, with the cult, see? So when I was talking to these Jehovah's Witnesses, I kept hearing, well, you know, the society says this, and the society says that, as opposed to, well, you know, Jesus did this, or Jesus says that, and I'm following Jesus. And when I talked about being born again, you know what I got? Blank stares. Blank stares, because they have no relationship with Jesus Christ, because they don't know him for who he is. They don't know him as the Son of God. I told them, I said, he's not the Archangel Michael. I don't care how twisted your thinking is, that's why you don't know him, because that's, that would be like saying every time you see me, talking about, hey, Bob Smith, I'd ignore you. Because I figure you must have lost your mind. I'm not Bob Smith. So you keep calling, well, he's the archangel Michael, and Jesus say, who are you talking about? That's not me. I don't know you, amen? And, and clearly you don't know me. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So, so our first identity, and, and the Lord laid on my heart to say this, we need to because, you know, we have a strong mission that God has given us to help people find and fulfill their God-given calling and destiny through faith in Jesus Christ and revelation knowledge of the word of God. That's a strong mission. 
That's not the mission of every church, but that's the mission God has given us. But our first identity is not with the called church. Our first identity is not with Bishop Jackson. Our first identity is with Jesus Christ. He's the one we're all following. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And we have a mission here because of our relationship with him. So what, the thing we have to make sure people get introduced to, look, we bring people here and they buy into the mission of the call and they get in fact active and they get involved and they're tithing and they're so, and they don't know Jesus, we haven't accomplished anything. In fact, all we're doing is justifying them in their hell-bound condition and trying to make them think, well, as long as you're part of the call, you're okay. Oh, no, you're not. You better be a part of Jesus. In fact, to tell you the truth, if you're not a part of Jesus and you're a member here, I want you to revoke your membership. <laughs> I'm serious. You're supposed to be a member and you don't know Jesus. Revoke your membership. Go out and come back in right. <laughs> Hallelujah. Not like some of these places where, oh, you don't have to be. In fact, church, saints, there are churches in this country, you don't even have to know Jesus to be a member. You don't even have to confess Jesus to be a member. You don't. You don't. Just coming is enough. And so you got churches, Christian churches, where Hindus go, they never renounce Hinduism. Where Buddhists go, they've never renounced Buddhism. Muslims go, they've never renounced Islam. Not, not many Muslims go into churches, but some, some do, you know, who are liberal-minded. They go in, oh, I like what he's saying. And they've never committed their lives to Jesus Christ, and they're members of the church. How in the world does that happen? That's not God, Amen. 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 So that's number one. We identify with Jesus. We identify with Jesus first and foremost. And that's what the apostles did. Amen. 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 Here's the second thing. Here's the second thing. They were relentless. They never quit. They never stopped. They were always on. Man, what a challenge that is. They were always on. There was never a moment at which they say, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I shared with you all doing convocation. I'm traveling. I'm tired. People sit down beside me. I don't know whether the Lord wants me to talk to him or not. I don't feel like it. <laughs> but the apostles were always, and I told, I told you, I'm, I'm praying about that. Lord, I want to always be on. I want to always be on. Amen. They were always on, praise God. See, because this was their life. This was, this was who they were. It wasn't, this was a side deal that they did and they were really something else, fishermen, carpet. No, no, no. This was their life. And everything else was, was a side deal, amen? Paul said, I can make tents, but I'm not really a tent maker. I just do that in order to support and supply my ministry. Glory to God. Go to Acts chapter five now. Acts chapter five, verse 42. Acts chapter 5, verse 42. We want to always be on. Always be on. Don't let the devil trick us and say, I don't feel like we're talking about, about Jesus right now. Always be on. Amen? Acts 5, 42. It says, read it with me. If you, are you there? Acts 5, 42. It says, and daily in the temple and in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. That meant not only when they were in church, Everywhere they went, every house, every, everywhere they went, they were talking about Jesus. They were constantly telling people, hey, we found the Savior, and he's sweet, I know, and his name is Jesus. He is the Christ, the anointed one. Do you know him? 
Hallelujah. Remember the Apostle Paul found these guys who had not met Jesus, but they had heard the, the word from John the Baptist that the Messiah was coming. And he said to them, so you don't really know about the infilling of the Holy Ghost? And they said, we haven't even heard about anything in the Holy Ghost. Paul said, stay right here. I got something to tell you. And he started preaching to them right then and there. Amen. 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 In, in fact, speaking of Paul, go to Acts 28. Acts 28. Remember, they, uh, verse 30, they had put Paul under house arrest. They'd put him under house arrest. <laughs> Amen. Acts chapter 28, verses 30 and 31. Read this with me. It says, Then Paul dwelt two whole years in his own rented house and received all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no one forbidding him. I mean, the man's under arrest. And he's gathering folks in his house. They probably think they're coming for a party. And when they get there, Paul said, I got something to tell you. <laughs> and he started preaching to them about Jesus. And I guess the guards and whatnot, because look, this was not legal in Rome. Nero was the emperor in Rome. Nero was killing Christians. And Paul was just preaching like, like, like everything was fine. And nobody stopped him for two whole years. He didn't get up in the morning and say, I better not say nothing today, because, you know, I heard somebody was talking about me. And I better... I, he just kept doing it. Amen. He was always on. Praise God. Amen. We got to always be on, saints. There, there is no time off. Praise God. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Glory to God. So they were relentless. And then here's the third thing. And this is a major problem in the body of Christ today. They were courageous. They were courageous. You know, there's so much wimpiness in the body of Christ, so much limp-wristedness. I mean, it, it just, it, it, it's, it's just amazing to me. People just scared. And they're supposed to, be, supposed to be followers of Jesus Christ who wasn't afraid of anything or anybody ever. I mean, Herod was the most powerful man in Judea, and when Herod sent for Jesus, he said, well, he wants to see you. He wants you to come see him and perform some of these miracles in front of him. Jesus said, you go tell that fox that I said, I minister today and tomorrow and the third day I will be perfected. See ya. And then scribes and Pharisees, of course, we know they had access to Pilate and to the powers of Rome. And when Jesus said to them, you know, you all are a bunch of whited sepulchers. Today, we would call them whitewashed caskets. He would say, all beautiful on the outside, but inside full of dead men's bones and all corruption. How can any of you escape damnation? Man, fools, brood of vipers. I mean, in other words, you, you are a bunch of rattlesnakes. I mean, Jesus did not mince words. And remember, every time he talked that way and every time he preached and every time he healed somebody on the Sabbath day, they plotted how to kill him. And Jesus didn't even give them a, he, he, he wasn't even thinking about them. He just kept doing what he was doing. Amen. 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 Because I've told you all, you are immortal unless and until God is done with you in this earth. I don't care what people say. I don't care what they like, what they don't like. They can plot to kill you. But if God's not ready for you to go home with him, they ain't going to do nothing. Amen. Glory to God. I think it was David Wilkerson, if I'm not mistaken, the guy from the cross and the switchblade who got attacked by a gang because he was getting gang members converted in New York. 
and they got hot. Some of the other got, man, he's messing up our drug trade. He, you know, people coming up talking about, they're following Jesus now. What is wrong with this? This man's messing us up. And they cornered him and pulled out a gun and tried to shoot him. And the gun went off. Bam, 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 bam. He stood there. Ain't shot him yet. Said when they stood there looking at the gun and looking at him, said all of them said, man, we, this is real, ain't it? This is real. Glory to God. We don't, we don't have any reason to be afraid of, 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 of the con- members of the congregation, pre- preachers. God, how in the world are you going to lead sheep? You afraid of the sheep. You know, I mean, you try to lead the sheep. We won't go that way. Oh, okay, y'all. Okay, we'll go this way. Glory to God. Now, they, they, were, they were bold. They didn't back down. Amen. And that, that's what we need in the body of Christ today, particularly in these very, very difficult and dangerous times where the body of Christ is under severe attack. Amen. 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 Where people look, you know, I said American Christians are finding out now what it means to be a Christian and have folk not like you for it. Because there are a lot of people in the country today who don't like Christians. Because you all are trouble. You all talking about what the Bible says and what God wants and all that. People don't want to hear that. You know, we, we, we want to do our own thing and don't come to us with no, and you know, look, but, but saints, think about it. Of course they think that way. How can you not think that way if you believe you ain't nothing but a mass of cells that happened out of the ooze? I mean, well, of course. If you just think that you're one step removed from a monkey or a gorilla and you just got the lucky break. I mean, because that's what it, random selection, according to evolution, random selection, you know, a bunch of cells interacting and all of a sudden, boom, one of them's human. So what, then what is the, pro- there is no morality. Morality, is that, from that perspective, it's just something people make up. There's no right or wrong. You don't see, look, saints, think about this. You don't see chimpanzees sitting around debating, well, I wonder, is it appropriate to tell a lie? They don't have any moral conscience. You don't see lying something about, oh, I, I, hate to, I hate to eat that dough. He's so weak. He's hungry. He's going to eat him. They don't see, they, they, we are moral creatures. We actually, even people who reject God, they actually have a conscience. The Bible says it can be seared over with a hot iron so that they're no longer, there's, a, there's like a, a brick, a rock between them and their conscience and they can't any longer be sensitive to it because they mis- misused it and abused it so much. But every human being has a conscience and we know in our hearts that things are wrong. But if you don't believe there's a God, says who? Bishop Jackson, that's his opinion. Because you all know now that they're already talking about throuples, about three people or more marrying each other. Yeah, they're already talking about that because they're saying, well, how can you deny us the right to love each other? Of course, I mean, how can it not go that way? And they ridicule me for saying this. I mean, my people, you know, godless people, but this is the reality. I guarantee you that we, we're going to see it on the news and it probably won't be that long. You're going to hear somebody petition the court. I want to marry my dog. I want to marry my cat because I want to leave my legacy to them. And I want them to be on record as my spouse. Now you watch. It's coming. 
And then how can you, if you have a right to marry whoever you want to marry, why stop a human? Says who? Well, you know, God says that's an abomination, but we're not, we're not paying any attention to what God says. So then where's the limit? There is no limit other than what you say or I say is a matter of opinion. Amen? Amen. Amen. Saints, it's, it's a dangerous place to go, and we have to have courage. And we saw, they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and they marveled. Amen? The boldness. Uh, they didn't understand where it was coming from, and then they realized, oh, wait a minute, they've been with Jesus. Go to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, 18 through 20. Acts chapter 4, 18 through 20. Now, we covered this a little bit before, but remember, they arrested them. They called them in. They beat them. And saints, when you talk about a beating 2,000 years ago after an arrest by the Roman government, you ain't talking about no love taps. <laughs> They're not bringing you in there. You're like, don't you do that anymore. I mean, they're, they're, they're chaining you to a wall or a post, and they're whipping you until you are bloody. Yeah. Yeah. Acts chapter 4, 18 through 20. Read this with me. It says, so they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. Now, that same thing is happening in our country today. That's an amazing thing, but it's happening now. Don't bring up Jesus. That's offensive. Don't teach in his name. Don't say anything about him. But why is it that you can say something about Allah? Did you all hear that they just built, I forget where the airport is, but they just built a, a mosque, a chapel, a mosque chapel in an airport, only for Muslims. All right, our, our history has been, you build a chapel, it's for everybody. Anybody can come in and use it. No, no, no. We need one for Muslims. Now, somebody said, well, we need a chapel that's just for Christians, because we don't know Buddhists and Hindus coming in. Oh, now that's very offensive. That's very offensive. We are, we are all offended. Be offended then. Amen. Read on. It says, but Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge, for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. In other words, no. We, we're not shutting up. Amen. 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 And they knew what the consequences were. And of course, I went over this with you all. 11 out of the 12, if you, whether you can include, well, you could say 13 because Matthias was chosen by a lot under Peter's leadership. But then Paul really is the apostle who we believe replaced Judas. But either way you look at it, all but one of them were executed. Amen. All but one. So when they said this, this was not academic. Proverbs 28.1 says, the wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. We're supposed to be bold as lions, saints. Amen? Bold as lions. Praise God. But here's the fourth one. So we know that we're supposed to identify with Jesus. Amen? We're supposed to be relentless. Relentless. And by the way, you know, we need to, the, the Lord spoke this to me. I, I was, um, went out late, I forget which night this week, to Walmart to pick up a couple things. And when I walked in to go to the register, it was a young guy, looked like he might have been in his mid-twenties. And, um, you know, we spoke, how you doing? I, I, said, I told him, I, I'm doing wonderful. And the spirit of God just rose up in me. And I said, hey, you know why I'm doing wonderful? He kind of looked at me. I said, why? I said, because God is good. I said, and you know why God is good to us? And he looked again. He said, why? 
I said, because he loves us. I said, he loves you, has a plan for you. And you know, his eyes got big. It's like he looked at me like, and, and a great big old smile broke out over his face. And I said, Lord, thank you. That, see, that was the spirit of God. So, so somebody overheard that when I walked outside, somebody said, hey, you a bishop? And I said, yeah.